Love is a dagger. It's a weapon to be wielded far away or up close. You can see yourself in it. It's beautiful until it makes you bleed. That quote is from Loki. From Loki. And now you're about to hear the episode. Loki. Welcome to the Kinky Nerdy Polly Podcast. I'm G. And I'm M. And today we're going to be talking about the Marvel TV show Loki. Yeah, so this is going to be, I guess, just mostly our opinions about the show, which, you know, it's not going to be some kind of academic analysis, but we... Like, what, what is our goal here, G? Because this was your topic pick, and I binged the second season, so that way we could talk about it. So what is your picture for this episode? Your I mean, vision? as with many things with the podcast, part of it is just sort of like having a conversation and inviting the listener to be a silent participant in our conversation. So, like, what did you think of the show? What did I think of the show? What did you think of the show, dear audience folk? still weird to singularize that. Yeah. And Bob, if you're listening. Just Bob? Just Bob. Okay. This is for you, Bob. We actually have a listener named Bob. They're probably thrilled right now. So this is a, obviously, spoilers for both seasons, seasons one and two of Loki. Who knows if there's going to be a third? Maybe we're going to talk about why there may or may not be a third season after that ending. Yes. Before we start out, you know, this is a Marvel TV show that is on Disney+. Plus. Can you, for our audience folks, summarize the plot? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna summarize the plot briefly. So, Loki, played by Tom Hiddleston, our favorite trickster Norse god, uh, or Norse god of trickery, I guess would be a better way of phrasing mischief. that. Mischief of mischief. At the end of, well, not the end, but during one of the Avengers movies, Endgame, I believe. There are some time travel shenanigans, and Loki from the first Avengers film was able to escape in a parallel, um, parallel universe uh, or timeline. Timeline, yeah, which is like a different universe, universe. sort of. Yes, okay, kind of. At least that's how I believe it was originally explained in Endgame. The mechanics of time travel have varied depending, I think, on the Marvel property depending on what is needed for the story, which I th- I'm fine with. I think I think it's okay to... I don't think having continuity between these various disparate properties on this particular aspect is so important that it should override like, telling a good story. So do you think that for you know audience folks, some of you who are tuning in may have actually watched this, some of you may not have, do you think that you need to know like the Loki before this to enjoy this series I think it's good to have at least watched the first Thor film the second Thor film is capable for a number of reasons (laughs) okay so that's another podcast episode all on its own yeah okay but basically they're they're gonna do like a pretty good job at least in my opinion they do a pretty good job of like 
basically running through the entire character's sort of backstory. Okay. And from that character's perspective, his future story. <laughs> so Loki is able to escape. Then just as he's about to launch into another monologue about how great he is and how evil he is, agents of the Time Variance Authority show up, capture him, and take him into custody. And Time Variance Authority often gets abbreviated in the show as the TVA. Yes. And then they sort of recruit Loki to catch a different variant of Loki, who's caused a lot of trouble for the TV. What is a variant in this sense? So variant is... So the concept of a variant is basically... Basically, the TVA believes there's one primary timeline. The sacred timeline. The sacred timeline. And anything that branches off from the sacred timeline, any person that's different than what is prescribed in the sacred timeline is a variant. This gets expanded upon later, but that's sort of the basic concept. Is there's, you are somehow, there's, there's a copy in a parallel timeline that is somewhat different from the primary sacred timeline. Okay. So Loki is being responsible for catching another version of Loki. Yes. And that's kind of this, that's kind of how the plot starts off. And they find out that the TVA was set up as a sham. Loki teams up with the other Loki, who goes by the name Sylvie. They kill the person who's behind the TVA. This leads to season two. Yeah, and that causes a lot of problems. That causes a lot of problems. And Loki tries to fix the problems by essentially becoming a god of time or a god of stories in time. It's a little unclear at the end. Yeah, so he becomes basically almost like the center, the core of like the tree. Yeah, there's of... there's a very nice reference to Yggdrasil, the world tree, mm -hmm. at the end, with Loki sort of being at the center. Yes, of it. he's the center. Yeah, and actually, it's really interesting. Can you pronounce it in Yggdrasil? Is that it? Yggdrasil. Yggdrasil. Okay. Because I've been, now this is not what our episode is about, but interestingly okay. and well-timed, I have been replaying Tales of Symphonia. And any of our audience folks who know, I'm really into JRPGs. I've played a lot of the Tales of series, and Symphonia is a, one of the older games I originally played on the GameCube. It recently got remastered and put on the Switch. And now that game is about like these two different worlds that are linked up together, and one of the main, the big bad guys, is Lord Yggdrasil. Yggdrasil, okay. Yeah. Which I think they pronounce a little bit differently. So that's why I was curious when you were saying that. And also X had referred to it as that. And there is also reference to this great tree and stuff like that. And so I didn't realize how much this idea of world tree gets put into different stories. And now I can... Yeah, it's a pretty... I'd say of the Norse mythology, it's probably the most well-known concept besides like Thor and Odin themselves and maybe Valkyries. Like I, I think the average person would have difficulty identifying a lot of the other Norse gods before Yggdrasil. Yeah, so this ending. Yes. You know, we're skipping a lot of the plot here, but, you know, the ending itself for me personally, it felt like a very definite ending. It definitely has the potential for that. 
I can also see ways to keep, keep it going. going because they they do give as Sylvie says. So Sylvie yeah. is a female incarnation of Loki variant. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that for sure. And she says like, "Oh, we're getting a second chance." Like Loki's giving them a second chance. So maybe if they go on to a third season, could really explore her character more. Yes. So. Do you want to talk about what you liked? Do you want to talk about what I liked? Gee, why don't you go ahead and talk about what you really liked about this? I'll just chime in. Yeah, yeah, I'll just insert myself kind of like. Okay. Like a, a pestering variant of Loki just showing up in the middle of your conversation. Just showing up just unexpectedly. Yeah. And being like, Causing wow. a little mischief. So why don't you start? Okay. So I really like Loki. I think it is... The second best Marvel TV show to come out after WandaVision. I've never seen WandaVision, but because you say it's beat out by WandaVision, I now want to watch that. I think WandaVision is... It was a perfect... Okay, tangent into WandaVision. It was a perfectly timed series because it was about exploring grief and isolation Right as the pandemic happened. Oh, okay, okay. Which obviously resonated with a lot of people. Right, right. So I've not gone back to rewatch it, but I remember really enjoying it. Okay. Oh, that's going to have to go on my list. Yeah. It has good action. I think it has a great redemption arc for Loki. Admittedly, they kind of speed around the redemption arc in the beginning, in my opinion. But yeah, I think that was one of the things I felt like it didn't feel as fleshed out as I wanted. Yeah. So basically, everybody really liked how Loki evolved into like the Avengers movie where like he, you know, he thinks that he can like do a fast one on Thanos and like kill him and like save his brother. And he's like, you know, telling his brothers like you have light like the su- the sun will shine on us both again someday, so people really like that. But then they had to take twenty fourteen Loki, who is still quite an evil person, and like speed run him to the point where he's at that point again. Right, because <laughs> that guy, that Loki's dead. He's kaput. He's not coming back. Um. So. They kind of had to speed run to get him back to that point. Yeah. So I was a little bit rushed in that sense, but overall, I really enjoyed the redemption arc. It's always nice to have a good redemption arc for villains. And actually, you know, even throughout the series, something that I liked was him grappling with his villainry. Yeah. And yeah. And sort of, I think one thing that does well is like, in, like, that first interrogation scene with Mobius, mm-hmm. he, like, accuses Mobius of a bunch of things, and all those accusations are basically confessions. Like, oh, interesting. Everything he says is basically, like, he's talking about how, like, you know, playing up playing up the fear to conquer right. tricks. Yes, yes, yes. And he just, like, that, that's, that's me. That's all I do mm-hmm. is... To have to, it's like that bit of recognition and control. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was very well done. Uh, admittedly, that is literally the speed running part because they're literally just like, here are clips from your life. Right. <laughs> and here's what happened. 
after your you, the variant, diverged from the sacred timeline. Right, right, right. And it shows one of the most powerful scenes. Like, the only reason to really watch Thor in the Dark World is because of the scene where, like, Loki is, like, devastated after he is directly the cause of the death of his mother. Like, he didn't intend it, but he knows that he's directly the cause of her death. Right. And that shows the scene in the Avengers movie where he gets killed. So I, I just love the redemption art. And Tom Hiddleston is just a very charismatic actor. In the second scene, I loved Kiwe Kwan. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. I did look up Google for that. Like how to pronounce. Yeah, yes. I, it makes sense. We might not always get names correct, but always good to put in effort. Yeah. Yeah, I know Ouroboros. I really liked him as well because he was in Everything Everywhere All at Once. That was one of the best fucking films ever. Yeah, that was his re-breakout role. Um, Absolutely fantastic for those who haven't seen that movie. Highly recommend. Yeah. So I am so happy this actor is getting, finally getting some recognition in Hollywood. So, M, you might not know this, but Kiwi Kwan was actually a fairly recognized child actor right yeah he was in not goosebumps the goonies the goonies right i knew it began with a g g oh gee how'd you think of that oh yeah i haven't made that joke in a long time he's in the goonies he was in one of the indiana jones films he just and he really struggled after afterwards like try to find a role in hollywood because you know hollywood was racist back then right not saying it's not racist now but at least has gotten good enough that he's gotten been able to get roles again. Has good action, and I like the idea of Sylvie and sort of the messed up romance idea between Sylvie and Loki. Mm-hmm. I don't think the execution actually works. It doesn't. Hey, do you want to talk about this? Or I just. You know, Sylvie, I feel like could have had a lot of potential and it just really fell short. And I also thought like out of we see like all these different variants of Loki, but then like one of them's a woman, essentially. And then that woman isn't really given enough character development. Like her character never really blossoms. Yeah, I'd say I'd say Ouroboros in the second season gets more character development than Sylvie in the entire season. 100 percent, 100 percent. So that was disappointing for me to not see her really, like, grow in that character. Yeah. She also doesn't actually feel like a variant of Loki. Like, we still don't really, we still don't know why, uh, we still don't know why this variant of Loki decides to be a woman. And we don't know why... I mean, I know the narrative reason why. The narrative reason is because they needed to differentiate her name-wise from Loki. Mm -hmm. So they gave her the name Sylvie. We don't know why she decided to go by Sylvie inside the story. And she she feels really undercooked as a character. Yeah, and I see here that you mentioned that it kind of feels like Disney queerbaiting. Yeah, I mean, I I remember, especially around the first season marketing, is that they're sort of hyping up the idea of Loki being gender fluid. Right. Which is a concept I think they've explored more in the comics, mm-hmm. where, like, Loki literally turns into a woman for a while mm-hmm. and is just Loki. Right. 
I, I think there's like, I think in one of like the TVA documents, it lists Loki's gender as gender fluid mm-hmm. in like the credit scene in a blink and you'll miss it moment. But they're kind of hyping up the idea of like, oh, it's like Disney is allowing queer characters into their pro- into their into their into their shows now, which they keep on promising that they will and keep on kind of backing out of it. So this kind of feels like some more Disney queer baiting. It really missed the mark. Yeah, it they, just missed the mark. Yeah, they feel like two different characters. Agreed, hundred percent. And, um, like there's some story potential in the idea that the only person that Loki can really romantically fall in love with is himself. Like that that that's like got that's some kind of shitty. That's got some like messed up story potential. Yeah, but Sylvie never feels like. They don't really play into that aspect and kind of understand why they didn't want to do that and just sort of made Sylvie a separate character. Yeah, like, I think it would be, it does tell a different story to have, like, Loki falling in love with himself. Yes. Or themselves. But that also says a little bit something shitty. Like, um, but but it's a, it's a shitty thing that can maybe be explored. Yeah, I think... Like, like, characters don't have to be perfect. Right. In fact, it's better. It's better than not. But no, I get, I get you, and I don't mean shitty in a way that, like, I think everybody should love themselves for sure. But just that, I feel like we saw a lot of the humanity in Loki. Yeah. Kind of coming out. Like, you know, what would have been like a great story is like season one. Like, they actually sort of. Like, because they, they can't play around within season it, yeah, one, but they bit. don't, like, dive fully into it. Now, in season one, they, like, fully dived into it. And it was, like, kind of a toxic relationship because it's kind of an inherently toxic idea. Right. And then season two was about sort of learning to, both of them, to love themselves. Right. As, like, in, their version of the, who they are. In a more healthy way rather than falling in love with each other's selves yeah like which is kind of like falling in love with this other version of you yeah like that i think has an interesting story arc obviously it's not the direction they decided to go in but yeah it it does feel like it does feel like sort of hollywood like just more disney queer like disney has done this for decades Mm -hmm. um where they will like subtly include ideas and sort of like blinking, you'll miss it moments. And they've gotten better about it, but they're still very hesitant about actually putting queer characters into their their, uh, productions. Right. Like they still, they didn't even let Valkyrie and uh, Thor Ragnarok be gay or bisexual. They're just like, oh, I just miss all my Valkyrie sisters for totally platonic reasons. And there's definitely not one that I'm specifically angry and sad about the fact that she's died. Yeah. So this definitely missed the mark and could have been handled in a number of other different ways. Yeah. But I also am curious because you have a note here about Jonathan Majors and I, you know me, I don't know names very well. So who is Jonathan Majors and what is this whole thing? All right. So he played He Who Remains in the show. Oh, yeah. And Victor Timely in season he two. He really is kind of the main character. Yeah, I mean, the show is just about as much about him as it is about Loki, in mm. my opinion. 
Yeah, like I was actually more captivated by his sort of thing than Loki's thing. Yeah, he delivers a very good performance and it's and it, but unfortunately, Jonathan Majors has been at this point convicted of misdemeanor assault. A small clarification that this misdemeanor assault was a domestic violence case and we do not want to minimize the impact of this situation. Oh shit. So he has been officially fired from Disney. Oh, I had no idea. So it's it's unfortunate because I I do really enjoy his acting, but just the, like all this outside stuff just kind of casts a pall over the entire thing. I had no idea. Yeah, it's uh, and and let me be clear, I do not want Jonathan Majors back. Like I did enjoy his acting. I just want to be clear. You know, let's believe people who come forward about this stuff. So we do, we do not want Jonathan Majors back at this point. Um, but I did actually like really enjoy his acting. And it's just this kind of, I mean, this kind of goes back to the episode where we talked about sort of death of the author. I feel like this is a sort of a similar situation where it's like, you got to sort of decide like if you, if what you know about what he did makes this sort of unwatchable for you. Right. Uh, That's a very individual choice. Absolutely. Totally individual choice. And also, you know, I watched it without knowing any of that until we're sitting down talking about this right now. And yeah, obviously he's been fired. So it's kind of like a moot point going forward. Well, for Disney. Yes. So Disney, I believe, is in the process of trying to recast his character, which should be the easiest recast of all time because they've already sort of got a built-in explanation for why he might look different. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it just does cast a bit of a pall over the entire series. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and that sucks because I think like for people who might have really connected with his character or his acting, when you see someone that you admire, look up to, and then you find out about this stuff that can be a shock. Yeah, and I it makes you it makes you think about the world differently, you know? Yeah, I'll see if I can find this YouTube video because uh, I watched the YouTube video a day or two ago, which was a uh, I'll try to include it into the comments. But it was about it was a YouTuber um, who is African American talking about his feelings about Jonathan Majors being convicted and how complicated his feelings are. Well, if you find that, we will link that in mm. the show notes because that would be interesting Yeah, to a, to accompany this. Yeah, and I, you know, overall, what I will say is I didn't love this show. Okay. I didn't hate it. All right, it was mid. It was mid for me. I thought the concepts were so cool. We already talked about how the gender fluidity had so much potential and then it just didn't get fleshed out. And I think you said it very well by saying Sylvie ultimately became like her own separate character and even that character is not at all fleshed out. Yeah, I mean, she's basically just anger. Yeah. Like, we don't really get to know what her history is. We don't know why she decided to become a woman full-time, apparently. Mm-hmm. It just... She's just anger. Like, for... In the story, justifiable reasons. Like, she is angry because she has been hunted her 100%. Entire life. 100%, yeah. 
So I think it's not just her that I was really struggling with in this show, but like all of the time travel, so cool. But what I noticed is that it's very hard to make a time travel slash parallel universe story work. And you know which one did that? Everything Everywhere All at Once featuring your boy. Yeah. And playing at once the dorkiest man alive and the suavest oh, man alive. So great. It was it's such a good performance. But that sh- that movie, yeah. how it did the time travel and the parallel universes and stuff. I think what it did is it made a cohesive story where we saw character growth happening. It was very purposeful. I think with this and I was talking to X as we were watching it and he said it's it looked like the writers were just having a lot of fun exploring time travel in general like just exploring this you know time slipping and all of this and that is fun but it didn't make for a cohesive story really none of the characters get fleshed out except the guy what was his name timely Victor timely Victor timely I felt like he actually got or even you were saying OB yeah or Aboros gets more character development than Sylvie did yeah And even Loki, to be honest, felt kind of flat to me in terms of character development. Maybe that's because they really rushed the redemption arc. And so it was just like, oh, we're here? Okay. So. Yeah, I think think it's definitely a harder show to watch if you have not consumed all of the Marvel stuff like I have. Which I think is actually a problem that the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe is having right now is having a hard time onboarding new people and people who've been with this Marvel Cinematic Universe are just kind of fatigued at this point. Yeah, I really wanted to jump in and be able to just, because I haven't watched everything. I haven't watched all the Thor stuff. I haven't watched all of the Marvel stuff. So I came in here with less knowledge than other people. So that being said, maybe if you're going to watch this and you haven't before, you know, watching... The Thor movies and... The second and third Avengers films, I think, are... Like, kind of, like, yeah, better backdrop. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I was, you know, just not as invested in this. But that being said, the concepts were super cool. And I really enjoyed them exploring them. Yeah, another thing I found disappointing is how everyone's a human. Yeah, I was thinking about that, except the AI, Miss Minutes. Yeah, but it... It is a little disappointing. Like, I understand why, the reasons why. It's financial. Like, it is really difficult to have a bunch of aliens. Right. But also, like, this is an organization that's supposed to monitor all time. Like, this is also a problem that, like, that that sci-fi writers and a lot of audience tend to grapple with is they can't really grasp how big the universe is. So much beyond just us. Yeah. And even when they do go to an alien planet... It's filled with people who look exactly like humans. Right. And it's just like, could we not have at least one alien show up and be like, hey, I'm from Zapnorp department. We monitor history on Zapnorp. Peace. And just leave? <laughs> like, why is everyone a human being? Right. I have actually noticed that, not just in this show, but there's been other shows where I've been like, yeah, there's not as much maybe creativity is not the word i want but there's yeah because i think like you know shows like star trek yeah i mean star trek has i mean i know the reason again there's like financial reasons why they do not want like 
one thing I really want for Star Trek for a long time now is like a ship that's captained by an alien. Oh, yeah. But I imagine that, A, it's kind of hard to convince like an actor that you could get to play that role to be in makeup all the time. And B, like it's expensive and time consuming to have them like do the makeup all the time. Right. Like it's very, it's much cheaper to have a human captain who's a main character on the show right. than it is to have an alien. That makes total sense. Yeah, I didn't consider the financial parts of that. Yeah, I mean, it's the reason why, like, as soon as you go to like animated, even like Star Wars, which is like does have a lot of cool alien designs, the moment you head into like animated Star Wars, the aliens just are a lot. There's a lot more aliens, and they're a right. lot weirder. Yeah, because it's it makes sense. It's it doesn't cost that extra bit. Yeah, like it all costs the same. We're all designing these right, characters. Right. Yeah, and it's just kind of disappointing. Like I know that they made a lot of advances in sort of CGI technology, so it feels like this should be more possible nowadays. But like between CGI and makeup, like maybe the actor doesn't have to be like a hundred percent makeup. Maybe right. like makeup with. Like some CGI added on top of it. I don't know. I'm not actually in uh, film or TV production. Um, but it, it was disappointing to me that they just sort of focused almost exclusively on the human timeline. Like, for, we know Kang is a human. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, this, this whole organization is supposed to watch over all of time mm-hmm. over the entire universe so it doesn't make sense that the entire organization will be stacked with humans this is another reason why and i know that this is not the everything everywhere all at once episode but this is another reason why i really loved that movie because they show crazy iterations of stuff they show rocks you know talking to each other they show hot dog fingers in people right just crazy, wild, creative, imaginative iterations of things. The rock scene made me cry. I know. It, the rock scene makes people cry, right? So, you know, that movie, I think, is doing what I wished some of this had shown. Yeah, it's, yeah, it it, it definitely, it, it, I definitely think it is a good show, but I definitely think it had potential to be a great or excellent show. That's a good way to put it. Like, I think WandaVision is an excellent show because of the fact that it's an exploration of grief. Um, so it's going to hit you in your feels. Yeah. And yeah, I think with Loki, I didn't get a sense of what is it really trying to tell me. And that's okay. Not every piece of art has to really tell you something. Yeah. But I didn't know what I was supposed to be internalizing from it. So. Um, I mean... I think the message, whatever message you can pull from it is not probably intended by the writers. Um, like I, like you said, I think they're mostly... Just having fun with the setting. Having fun with the setting, but also just like playing it safe for the most part. Like we have Tom Hiddleston, who is incredibly charismatic. Mm-hmm. We're going to get Owen Wilson, who's incredibly funny. I mean, even like getting Kihue Kwan, they only did that after he had his breakout role. Right. Like, so they're... And obviously there are reasons why like big corporations play safe with their properties because they're expensive to make and they don't want to take unnecessary financial risks. This is unfortunately a byproduct of capitalism. Right. So it's just, I I do like the show. 
listeners, audience folks, audience folks, I want you to know I do like this show. Otherwise, I wouldn't have bothered. Yeah, we're doing a whole episode about it. Even I felt like I wanted to keep watching. So even though I didn't love it, I didn't hate it, but it did grip me enough that I kept with it. Yeah. I stuck it out. Yeah, there definitely have been shows that Marvel's put out that are much worse than this. Maybe we'll have to do another episode, the worst shows of Marvel episode. No. No? We don't need to do that. We don't need to do that. All right. We don't. I don't I don't need to put you through that. Audience folks, why don't you go ahead and vote? <laughs> you want to hear us talk about all of the bad shows. <laughs> that would be a fun episode. No, you don't think so? Well, you'd have to watch them. I know. Do you really want to watch the bad stuff? Sometimes it's, it's funner to watch the bad stuff knowing how bad not, it is. It's not that bad. Oh, it's not that bad. See, there's a there's a there's like a horseshoe here, a horseshoe effect here, where like at a certain point it gets bad enough that it turns the corner and starts becoming good again. Mm-hmm. None of the bad Marvel shows reach that point. Oh, bummer. It's just dreary. Oh. And disappointment. Sounds like my childhood. Well, on that note. <laughs> Hold on. Do we want to talk about that or are we just going to end the episode? Oh, I should probably cut that out, shouldn't I? <laughs> that might be too depressing. Oh, my God. I haven't lost it like this in a while. Well, I think we're about done talking about Loki. Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts, G? I think if they do bring Loki back as a character... Well, I wouldn't mind Tom Hiddleston coming back because I think he is a good actor and very charismatic. I would rather they made Sylvie the new Loki. Yeah, she needs her space to grow. Yeah, I mean, that'd be kind of hard at this point because they basically made her like a separate character. But I'm sure if you put enough writing brain power behind it, you could figure a way to do that. Or, you know, just be like, we're just going to change your character a little bit. Like, they've done that in yeah. Marvel shows before, Marvel movies before, where characters just kind of change a little bit between movies. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I would, if they do bring Loki back, I would prefer if they gave Sylvia a chance to shine. Because I do think the actress did a good job with what she had. Absolutely. Yeah. But I don't think... They gave her really any material to really work with. Definitely. Couldn't agree more, G. So, yeah, I think that's my final thought. I'm not sure if they're going to make a Loki season three. I think the whole Marvel cinematic and TV universe is a little up in the air right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they've had some bad box office performances, so they might... Oh, I see, I see. They might try to, like, make some changes. they're going to do a finagling. Yeah, finagle. A little finagle, finagle. Yeah. Finagle the snagle. Finagle the snagle? Yeah, finagle the snagle. Wow. Yeah. How do you get the snagle? Well, with a bagel. Of course. And on that note, if you'd like to support us, make and support us making stupid rhymes at the end of the episode, you can donate at the bottom of the show notes. And you can always share with your fellow Loki lovers or any of your friends who could use a bit of mischief in their lives. Or time travel. Or a lot of time travel. A lot of time travel. This is G. This is M. Don't be afraid to love how you love. Love what you love. And love who you love. If you'd like to get in touch with either M or myself, 
You can tweet us at KNP Podcast. You can find us at knppodcast.tumblr.com or you can email us at kinky.nerdy.poly at gmail.com. Speed run. All right, no time for pre-talk. Let's get into the episode. That's right. Pre-talk, what's that? I don't even know her. Wait, what's, how does the joke go? I haven't heard somebody mangle that joke so badly before. <laughs>